Hey, good, mor good morning, everyone. Come on, we just came back with 60 of our young people from Elevate. Man, oh man, what a great conference. The whole theme behind that conference was the next edition. And uh, for me, uh, it, it was my 20th year uh, doing Elevate. In fact, this year I didn't even do anything, really. We had all of our team uh, leading it and doing everything. And man, they tore it up. They did such a great job at Elevate. And aren't you proud of the young people at Restoration Life? I believe in the next generation. I do. I believe to raise them up, train up a child the way they should go, disciple them, release them to do God's will. So, man, what a, what a great conference. I think it was a little over 800 young people at Elevate. And, uh, man, what a time that it was. It was a good time. Loved all of our young adults chaperoning everybody. Nobody got into trouble. I mean, I could tell you stories. I mean, like one year, one kid got stuck up on the roof because he was pranking people and throwing water balloons at people from the roof. He got stuck on the roof in 118-degree weather and got dehydrated. We had to bring him down. It was bad. But in fact, it was Tim Calvary, and that kid grew up to be a man of God, and he was on the platform helping lead the conference this year. So, man, there was another time I could remember that, uh, uh, that there were, uh, man, there was so many things that happened at, at conference. There was a kid that was prank calling everybody like at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And so uh, Adam, my friend Adam Friedrich got up on the platform and we put a hit on him. And we said, we'll give $100 to the youth ministry that turns in the kid that's prank calling everybody and getting everybody all fired up in the middle of the night. And so the kid's youth ministry turned him in, duct taped him to a chair, brought him up to the platform and we were on the platform, and we said to the whole youth conference, it was like 12 or 1,500 young people, we were like, what, do you, what, we sh what should we do with him? And the whole conference in unison were like, send him home. Send him home. We put him in a taxi, sent him home, and had his parents pay for the fare. Yeah, we don't play around at youth conference, right? Um, another time, we were raising money for uh, missions. And so we had the Fear Factor Challenge, and my beautiful wife, Roxanne, she actually ate wet dog food, like out of a can. I think it was Alpo, right? Was it Alpo? She literally scooped it up and ate it and, and raised all kinds of money for missions. I mean, we, we go in. We go in. I, it wasn't even, it, that wasn't even of God, but it worked, all right? So just goes to show you how down Roxanne is for raising, raising money for missions. And so... But the greatest thing that we've seen or that I've seen over the last 20 years is young leaders, pastors, evangelists, uh, pioneers, pillars being raised up in their youth and that generation to grow up and take over the mantle and the leadership of the next generation. And so I love, how many appreciate Karen when she came up and led communion? Fireball, that girl's fire. Aaron, come on. Man, it's so good to see what God's doing. Oh, before we go any further, I'm giving away tickets, registrations actually, uh, to Realm Conference. Who wants to go to Realm? Come on, who wants to go to conference? And who wants me to give you a free ticket to, to register? Registrate, come on. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. You need to write this down because I've said it like 50 times and people still don't get it. Okay, so this is the criteria for you to get a free registration to conference. Number one, you have to be an active member of Restoration Life Church. What does that mean? That means if y'all haven't signed your covenants, if you haven't signed your membership, that means you've taken DNA class, you've graduated DNA class, and you sign your membership. Now, you might ask, why do we do membership? We do membership because we're being protective over the body of Christ and what happens on our campus so that the government and nobody else can tell us what to do. Okay? So membership is to protect the body. And so if you're not a member of Restoration Life, if you haven't taken DNA, I want to encourage you to take DNA. We start back up in September. We start RLU back up in September. I hear we got some new modules coming. So all that's happening in September. That's right around the corner. 
But if you haven't re-upped on your membership, number one, part of the criteria for you to get a free registration to Realm is you have to be a member. So some of you need to be taking out your, your, your iPhones right now and getting on our Restoration Life app and hit the membership covenant. So that way your membership. Number two is you have to be actively serving in ministry at Restoration Life. Because I believe this conference is for you. Right? This conference, this leadership conference, this development conference, it's for you. I got an email. They were like, why do we have to pay to hear the word of God? I'm like, you don't have to pay to hear the word of God. You can come on Sunday. You're not going to pay for nothing. You could watch it on YouTube. You could live stream it. You could Spotify it. Freely given, you know, freely received, freely given. You don't have to pay for the word of God. But this is a conference outside of the normal thing that we do at Restoration Life. And so we're bringing in some of the most dynamic speakers that I know to come and speak into all of you. And so this is going to cost us something. So Roxanne and I have registered. We've given towards it. We value it. We value it for our church. And I believe that a lot of the leadership here do, does as well. And a lot of the people involved in ministry, we've already got some, something. I forgot what the numbers were. But we've got people that have registered. And we have people that have not registered as of yet. Let me say this. If finances are a problem, we don't want anybody to miss out on conference. Make sure you come to us. Let us know. We want to make sure that you get here, you get inspired, you hear all the goodness of God that he's doing around our fellowship. Amen. And then you leave encouraged. Amen. So don't let money be an issue. All right. So number one, member. Number two, active in ministry at Restoration Life. Third and last one. You ready? You have to serve one day at the conference. Any, you pick the day. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, Friday night. You pick one day. You meet all three of those, you get a free registration on the house. All right? We're still going to receive offerings. We're going to take care of the cost together because we believe in it together. But I don't know about you. I'm excited for Realm. Anybody excited for Realm this year? It's going to be good. All right. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to the book of John. We're going to be in the book of John. I'm going to introduce this message. I'm going to try to finish it next week. But I'd like to spend some time kind of just introducing. It's a communion cup. All right. Um, I want to spend some time introducing this message. And here's the title of my message. If you guys could put it up. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Now, there used to be this Verizon um, commercial, and I'm not a Verizon customer, so if you're watching this online, um, I, have, I don't have permission for Verizon. Um, that's all the little red stuff that you see at the bottom. I don't uh, support or promote or am against Verizon in any way. But there was this great Verizon commercial where they were walking around with a cell phone and they would end up in the mountains and they were like, can you hear me now? And somebody on the other line would respond, yeah. And he's like, good. They would go somewhere else, maybe another country, another nation, another um, um, background. You know, it could be the beach, could be the desert, could be the mountains. Can you hear me now? And, oh, okay, good. And the whole premise to that commercial was our network is so strong that no matter where you are, you can be heard. It was the whole premise to that commercial, that their network is so strong that anywhere you are in the United States, and I don't remember uh, accurately if they, if they were promoting globally, but at least in the United States, anywhere you are, you're going to be able to hear one another because our network is that strong. And I started thinking uh, about that commercial after I put this message together, and I thought to myself, you know, I wonder if God ever has that problem with us. I wonder... Because God's got a very strong network. And God has a very, uh, a, 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 a very clear way to communicate his will to each and every single one of us. And I just wonder if, if God has ever said to us, can you hear me now? Because I know from experience and from watching people and discipling people and raising up people and releasing people, that there are a lot of times that God's calling is on their life but they prefer to hit the decline rather than the answer. Right? Or, or, or maybe we use that other one. What's the other one where you scroll up? Can't talk right now. Call you back later. It's already a pre-scripted response. Right? And I think that there's a lot of times that you and I as sons and daughters of God that are receiving a, a call of God over our lives... And far too often, we decline 
or we push can't talk right now. Or we push um, uh, uh, in a meeting or, or we customize our response. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to talk. I'm not ready to answer the, the God that's calling me right now. And I wonder if God ever says, can you hear me now? Because I've won, I'm one that has come to believe that you and I are allowed to go through some things in our life so that we can remove all the stuff that's in front of us being able to hear God clearly for the plan and the calling that he has on our lives. You can see this throughout scripture. There's a story actually, and, and then I'll go to the book of John. There's a story of a husband who has decided within himself that my wife has hearing problems. My wife has hearing issues. And so he calls the doctor and he says, doctor, I want to set up an appointment for my wife because I don't think she can hear me clearly. And he says, well, I can't take her in right away, but what you can do is that you can get 50 feet away from her and just ask her a question. And if she doesn't respond, just move in 10 feet at a time and ask her the same question until she responds. And so the husband says, okay. So he's sitting in the backyard doing his thing and he sees his wife in the window you know, doing the doing uh, what she does, she's cooking dinner, and the window was open, and he kind of yells out, hey, honey, what's for dinner? And he doesn't hear anything. And then he moves in to about 40 feet, and he's like, hey, babe, what's for dinner? He doesn't hear anything. Moves in 30 feet, now he's inside the house, out in the living room, hey, babe, what's for dinner? Still doesn't hear anything. Moves in about 20 feet, he's outside the kitchen, Babe, what's for dinner? And he walks right behind her. And he says, honey, what's for dinner? And she says, for the fifth time, chicken. Isn't that sometimes what happens with us? We honestly believe it's the other person that has a problem when in reality, it's us. We're the one that can't hear. We're the one that can't discern. We're the one that can't figure it out. We're the one that actually has the issue, but we're saying that everybody else has the issue. Nothing is wrong with me. Everything is wrong with them. And then we find out as we move in closer, and God says, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Because I'm calling you. And don't send me straight. I hate it when you send me straight to your voicemail. Right? And I keep calling and calling and calling, and you decline, decline, decline. Because you know the moment you hit this button... You're going to have to be obedient to whatever he tells you. Because now you know, and because you know, now you have a responsibility to fulfill what he's told you to do. Because to him that knows what to do and does it not, to him it is sin. Right? So knowing what God is saying is imperative in order to pursue the calling of God over your life. And so I'm, I'm asking the question to you. As if it were God saying, do you hear me now? Because a lot of times, if we're being honest, especially men, we, we, we like to act like we're listening. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, babe. Whatever you want. Honey, I'm going to sell the kids. Sure, not a problem. Do whatever, whatever you need to do, babe. Because that's our, our default. One time... I'm so embarrassed to say this, but I, I, I have to, I'm living open, right? One time, Roxanne got home, and she sat down, and she's, honey, I need to talk to you. I was like, uh-huh. And I was, of course, it's always while I'm watching something, right? Something that I'm, like, dialed into. And it's like, babe, I want to talk to you. I was like, okay, sit, sit, sit down. She goes, no, 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 just look at me. I was like, okay. And, and, and I'm giving her eye service, right? Okay, I put my phone away. I, I've released the remote control. I'm not zoning in on what they're saying. I'm, I'm giving you my, my full attention. And I fell asleep as she was talking to me. 
She's talking to me. And, right? And she was like, oh, heck no. And I'm like, what, 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 what? She goes, you just fell asleep. I go, no, I didn't. I didn't fall asleep. She goes, I was listening to you. She goes, you fell asleep. How could you? How could you fall asleep? <laughs> How many men have fallen asleep on their wives in bed at night when they're talking? Come on, be honest. Am I, I don't think I'm alone in this. I don't think, come on, be honest, come on. You're not going to go to heaven if you're not honest, come on. I think I've never in the 28 years of my relationship to Roxanne have ever fallen asleep while intently looking at her and trying to listen to everything. But something just happened. It, it went from, you know, what she was saying to, and then, and I was gone. I was gone. And then she was like, when I, I, all I heard was, oh, heck no. And I was like, what, was that? what, what happened? <laughs> and just as a blanket statement right now to every single one of you that I've ever done that to, I know that I've never fallen asleep on anybody else like that. But if I've ever, if you've ever talked to me and I zoned out and I just responded like by bringing up something else, just from the bottom of my heart, I want to apologize to you. It is not my intent. It is not my desire to, to dial you out. I just love the Reader's Digest version of every story that you have to tell. You know, I just give, I'm, I'm an intelligent person. Just give me the main points. We'll figure it out from there. I don't know, need to know what time of day it was, what you were wearing, what the other person was wearing, what was playing on TV, what, what the radio announcer was saying. I don't need to know the degrees outside, you know, and what was happening, you know, in Africa. You just tell me. You, you hear what I'm saying? I just need the Reader's Digest version. But um, I've, I've done that. I've given eye service and haven't listened, you know, to what, you know, my friends or, or even some counsel or, or my spouse or even my children would, would say. And some, so, so they say that I have selective. Does anybody else have this disease? I feel like I'm the only one that, that care. can you pray for me because I deal with this. On an ongoing basis, based on my, what my wife and my children say, that I have selective hearing, that I only hear what I want to hear and remember what I want to remember. But the reality is, is that sometimes we can be deaf to what's really going on or based on our narrative, based on what we're experiencing, based on what we're going through, based on what the whispers of the enemy is saying, we define and interpret something based on what we're going through. And it's not necessarily always the truth. And so I think that we have to be careful when we talk about selective hearing and intentionally hearing God. Because I, I wish more people would say, I think I heard God say this. Instead of say with confidence, this is what God told me to do. Because I think the moment somebody says, this is what God told me to do, it disqualifies anything that I have to say from there on out. I wish more people would honestly say, I think this is what God is saying. Or I think this is how I am interpreting what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Instead of saying, I know that it was God. I heard from God. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Because I know in, in 30 years of my Christianity... I could, on both hands, I could probably count the, the, the amount of times that I audibly heard God. Like in 30 years, right? Because I trust him and I believe in him. I don't have to hear him all the time, audibly. I just need to be obedient to his word always. Right? So if, if I'm obedient to his word, right, and I'm going in the direction that he wants me to go, if God wants me to stop, he'll tell me, trust me. Because he has. He has in the past and he'll continue to do in the future. But for us, are we acting as if we're listening but our attention really is elsewhere, right? You and I have all had that feeling where it's infuriating. You're communicating with someone and they're on social media while they're talking to you. Or while you're trying to counsel them or instruct them. Or one of the things that, thing that burns me is when I'm in a meeting with our team and they decide that it's a good time to post something on social media. I'm like, put your phone away. Take notes because you're really going to want to hear what I have to say. Right? So today's red letter passage is all about listening. 
hearing and following the voice above all voices, that voice is the voice of Jesus. It's the voice of God. Because if Adam and Eve failed, listen, it was just Adam, it was Eve, it was all the creation, and at some point the serpent came in, and all they had to do was obey the voice of God, the word that he gave them, the instructions that he left with them, and they listened to another voice that slithered in and said something like, did God really say? So if you have God's first kids be disobedient with no social media, no news networks, no technology, no internet, no millions of other opinions, just the fathers, if they had a problem listening in and dialing in and being obedient, what does that say about us? Right? Because I promise you, Satan is slithering around, whispering lies to all of us. Let's read John chapter 10, verse 14, and then we're going to jump over to verse 27 through 32. Listen to what the red letter says. It says, I am the good shepherd. Now let me just say this. If there are good shepherds, there are bad shepherds. If there are good leaders, there are bad leaders. Right? Jesus is making a distinction. He says, I am the good shepherd. And, and don't gloss over this. Underline it, circle it, and highlight it. And I know my sheep. That's imperative. We're going to go somewhere with this. But that's going to be the main point today. And I know my sheep. And I am known by my own. So he's saying... I'm the good shepherd, I'm the leader, I'm going to walk you to a place of grazing and protection and encouragement. As long as you hear my voice, you know my voice, and I know you, I'm going to take you somewhere healthy, somewhere good, somewhere where you're going to thrive, somewhere where you're going to reproduce. I am the good shepherd. You have to listen to my voice because there are other shepherds out there trying to get your attention. There are other voices out there that are trying to get your attention. In fact, there's a story of a European that went into the mountains and he saw two shepherds kind of just coming together who were friends. And this shepherd had hundreds of sheep. And this other shepherd had hundreds of sheep. And when they came onto this, this plain, all the sheep started grazing and the shepherds started talking. And he sat there in awe thinking to himself, how are they ever going to separate all those sheep, I mean, have they been branded? Is there something distinct about them? Do these, are these like Gucci sheep and these are like, you know, Ross sheep? I don't know. I mean, you know, how do you, dis how do you distinguish? They're all sheep. They all look like, you know, the same, right? They're all the same. You know, they, they, they <laughs> right? But the shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. And so when they said goodbye to one another, this onlooker said, the shepherd walked away and he called to his sheep. And in, 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 that, in, in that very moment, the sheep started to scatter themselves from one another because they knew the voice to follow. They knew who their shepherd was and they followed him. So Jesus is saying, as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Now, scholars believe that Jesus was talking to Jews, so what, who, who he was talking about was the Gentiles, right? All the people that Paul the apostle and the disciples would reach outside of the Jewish people. So Jesus is making this declaration that I have this sheep and other sheep, which are not of this fold, but them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Did you hear that? Not denominational flocks, but one flock with one shepherd. Not autonomous individual churches, but one flock with one shepherd. Jesus is the head of the church. He will always be the head of the church, and he will always be the voice of the church. Right? All of us, we're Christians, we're sons and daughters, we belong to that flock. Now, we serve at Restoration Life, but we are a part of the body of Christ globally. Right? And so we know our shepherd's voice. And so verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
And I give them eternal life. I love this. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Let this be an encouraging word to somebody. I just got to stop right here. Because a lot of people wonder far too much, am I saved? Am I born again? Am I going to heaven? And what Jesus said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess Jesus Christ, that he died and he rose again from the dead, the grave, that you repent from your sin and you pursue God for the rest of your life and to your best ability you're living in obedience to God the Father, then Jesus says that there is nothing this world can do against you, that there is no one that could snatch you away from me. You belong to me. I know you. You know me and you follow me. Yeah, you're going to go through some persecution. Yeah, you're going to go through some difficult times. Yeah, you're going to go through some difficulties. But because I know you, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And because I know you and you're marked with this seal, nothing, no tragedy, no disease, no financial circumstance, come on, nothing will ever be able to snatch you out of my Father's hand. And then he declares, I and the Father are one. So picture the scene. Picture it with me. Small group comes close to Jesus. These are legalistic people, religious people that know the Torah, that know the Levitical law, the Mosaic uh, law. They know it backwards, forwards, and upside down. He's walking amongst them. He's walking with them. He's talking to them. And yet, they still don't recognize the Messiah. It's an interesting perspective. Because how can you walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, learn from Jesus, watch Jesus do miracle signs and wonders, and still not know that this is the manifested Son of the Most High God? That the, the Almighty, the infinite, becomes intimate with His own creation. How do you not know that? How do you not see that? Jesus makes a declaration in verse 24. He says, the Jews surrounded him and said, how, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And then he does a mic drop statement, right? Verse 25, and Jesus answered to them and he said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So I've said this before, what I do and who I am declares who I belong to. Verse 26, but you do not believe because what? You're not of my sheep as I said to you. So the only ones that know me, hear me, and follow me belong to me. This is important. Because the ones that have a problem with me don't belong to me. They're not of us. The ones that have a problem with Jesus, that are critical of Jesus, that are questioning Jesus, tell us. Just tell us plainly. Because I've told you. I've showed you. And yet you still don't believe. It's interesting. Because sometimes I wonder if we're hard of hearing when it comes to Jesus. Have you ever shared some wisdom with somebody and they just go do whatever they want to do? And then they get into more trouble? And then they come back to you again? Come on. Don't sleep with her. She doesn't love you. She just likes your car. She doesn't want to have a relationship with you. In fact, you would be classified as a hashtag booty call. And yet you want to pursue Jesus being a booty call. You can't. You have to love one and hate the other. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. I don't know where that came from. But if we're going to listen to the Father's voice, we need to have a relationship with the Father. 
Because there are other voices that are out there that are vying for your attention. And there are other voices that are out there that want to distract you from the Father's voice. Because there are a lot of voices that sound good, but they're not good because they're not God. And too often, we have more of a relationship with Google than we do with God. But if you knew the voice of God, when you read the scripture, the voice of God would speak to you through his word. Because he's the manifestation of the word. God breathed his Holy Spirit and inspired men to write this word so that you and I can learn from it and grow from it and be attached to it. And honestly, more often than not, God will speak to you through his word. But if you don't know his word, then how can he speak to you? Come on, RLU graduates. Come on, RLU teachers. you got to know his word to hear his voice. How do you align truth? The word is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way the truth and the life. Right? So if you don't know the truth, how do you distinguish truth from camouflage? How do you distinguish truth from counterfeit? Because there are a lot of things that are out there that sound good but aren't good. There are a lot of things that are out there that look good on paper, but they're not good in execution. And so you got to hear the voice of God. Because some of the things that you're going to go through in life is going to need the voice of God to get you to turn and repent from the direction that you were going to the direction that he wants you to go in. But how do you distinguish that voice? Because we have social media voices. We have pastors from other ministries and denominations and movements and theologies. Come on. How do you distinguish the voice of God? How do you know the voice of God? Like I said, 30 years of my life, I heard them audibly almost 10 times that I can look back at. One of them, it was a correction. Actually, two of them were corrections. Maybe three. I've been a bad boy. Okay. And I remember when God spoke, it was like he knocked the wind out of my stomach. And it felt like I was going to do something wrong that I'll regret for the rest of my life. Because when he spoke, it was like a resonating boom in the supernatural realm for me. One of the times that he spoke, he told me, I never told you to do that. And I just got on my hands and knees and on my face and I repented and asked God to forgive me. And he instructed me in the way that I should go. But how do you distinguish the voice of God even in the Christian realm? Because there are a lot of people that tell you good things but they're not necessarily what God wants you to do. We can qualify this by what they were telling Paul. Paul, don't go back over there. There's just chains and, and persecution awaiting you. And I'm prophesying over you. I'm letting you know. Here's a guy that had a gift. And he was telling Paul, don't go because this is what's going to happen to you. And Paul's like, I already talked to God. I know that I'm supposed to go. It's going to be all right. I love you. I'll miss you. I'll see you on the other side. But there are people that mean well but don't necessarily give you what God wants to give you. Are you hearing me? I remember when I was asked 10 years ago to come and pastor this church. It used to be called Londo Christian Church. We used to be called Praise Chapel Redondo Beach. I remember very clearly when I heard God say what he said to me. And when I told Roxanne, and she was like, are you sure? And I'm like, well, yeah. I'm 100% I'm sure. And she's like, okay, if you're 100% sure, you heard God, I'm all in. In fact, there was a time years before that where I thought God wanted me to go back to Brooklyn and wanted me to go pioneer another church. And I remember that I said, okay, I'm going to go spy out the land and I'm going to take Roxanne in different seasons because i got to convince her that this is God. When in reality, it was my ambition. Be careful as a Christian who's ambitious because your ambition can be a bad motive, can have a bad motive behind it. And for me, I've always been like the Indiana Jones of Christianity. Like, let's go where nobody else is going where nobody else is preaching, where nobody else, and let's go take the land for Jesus. Here, my Lord, send me. And I took Roxanne during Christmas time because I wanted to woo her into it. You know, look at, look at Central Park. Look at how beautiful it is. It really isn't that cold. It's all good. And she's like, well, you better pray and you better hear from God. That was her words. Then I came back, met with my pastors, and they were like, so what did she say? She's, she hasn't said yes. She doesn't, she's not convinced that it's God. 
but like, I feel like it's God. I feel like God wants me to do this. And then he goes, all right, let's send you back. So they sent me back in the fall. And then we went back in the fall. And my fellowship paid for it. They're like, hey, we're going to send you back in the fall. You're going to go scout out the land. I was meeting with people. I was connecting with people. I met with other movements over there. I had people giving me words. For thus saith the Lord. God is going to use you in this season, in this appointment time. He's going to get favor over you. And, and all this stuff. And then we go to my favorite pizza place, Grimaldi's Pizza. And I run into this businessman, entrepreneur. He's like, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Cali, but I was born here. I was thinking of starting a church. And he's like, hey, if you start a church, let me know because I'd love to join it. And I'm like, that has to be God. Then we came back home. And then... And then I said, okay, one more time. I'm going to take you during the summer so you can see how humid and hot and nasty it gets. I took her back three times. A lot of you guys don't even know this. Took her back three times. We were in Times Square. Room was romantic. Windows were facing Times Square. And I'm like, okay, we've prayed. We believe God. Babe, what do you say? Are you ready to take the land for Jesus? Are you ready to leave sunny Redondo Beach to go into grimy Brooklyn and reach these people with the love of Jesus? And she said this to me. And I remember it like it was yesterday. She said, honey, I will follow you anywhere. I will go anywhere in this globe that you asked me to go to. But you better know that it was God and not you. She said. But she said. That's why I tell husbands, husbands, listen to your wives. They're dialed in. <laughs> and in that moment, when I asked her for the response, you know, she, I was like, I was waiting. Come on, babe, we could do, we could take the land. You know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, here it comes, here it comes. And then she's like, you better know it's God and not you. Like that, she pointed her finger. I think she even tapped me on the chest, maybe even in my head. And you know, you know what happened when she did that? It was like I got a revelation that this was an ambitious moment that I wanted. That I wanted to do something that nobody else was willing to do. And it was me and not God. And I was trying to justify it as God because, come on, pioneer in church, how can that not be of God? Reaching a lost people, how can that not be of God? And we'll try to justify what God wants based on our narrative. Instead of hearing God clearly for what he wants to do next. And so I'm wondering if God is saying something to someone here this morning. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Because Jesus said to them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do, I do them in my Father's name. And they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. As I have said to you. And so sometimes I wonder if as Christians if we're hard of hearing. Wow. Time went by fast. You guys took it up all, all, all fast. All right. I love what Paul said to Timothy. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 through 5. He says, preach the word. Somebody say, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, their own personal preference, how they think things should be, they will heap up, come on, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves, teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and will be turned aside to fables. These are made up scenarios, things that you think is happening but is not happening. They'll turn their ears to that. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, to fulfill their ministry. Now, the Greek word translated itching literally means to itch, to rub, to scratch, or to tickle. And I'm, I want to ask you, who's, who's scratching your itch for what you want out of life? And what voices are you listening to? Because I believe that the Father wants to speak to each and every single one of us. Because the very people Paul warns about... As one commentator put it, ears which have to be continually titillated with novelties. Itching ears is the figure of speech that refers to people's personal desire. Their own felt needs or wants. And it's these desires 
that filter and compel a person to believe whatever he or she wants to believe rather than act the actual truth itself. When people have itching ears, they decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. And they seek out other people to jump on that train with them, to support their beliefs, to support their perspectives, to support their positions on whatever is motivating their interpretation of things. And this is so dangerous for anyone that's growing in Jesus. It's so dangerous. Why? Because itching ears are concerned with what feels good and what's comfortable, not with the truth. After all, truth is sometimes, if not most times, uncomfortable. Come on. But when lies are exposed, they are arrested by his truth. Come on. And we know that Jesus is truth. He's the absolute truth. And his truth sets us free. So Paul's warning is that the church would one day contain those who only open their ears to those who, were, who would scratch their itch. I got a problem with this. I don't like the way this is being done. I don't like this about that or that about this. And you know what? I'm going to go find others that align themselves with me. And I'm going to massage their ears because if I massage theirs, they'll massage mine. But what is God saying? What does God say? What is the Father saying to you? Because if you know what the Father says, it totally um, uh, vetoes what everybody else says. Because I remember when I first came here 10 years ago, I was instructed to get rid of all of the staff because they're not of me. And our structure was going to be different. Our, 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 our culture was going to be different. Our bylaws eventually would be different. Our, 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 our systems would be different. Uh, our generational reaching would be different. The people that we reach in our community would be different. All these things, doctrine would be, everything would be different, right? So they're like, you got to fire everybody on staff because they're not of you. But these were heroes of faith saying this to me. And I'm like, I know what you're saying and it sounds good to you because you've done this before. I've never done this before, but I do know my father's voice. And because I know my father's voice, I know I'm not going to do that because that's not what the father wants me to do. And if the father wanted me to do that, don't you think he would have spoken to me, revealed it to me, confirmed it to me, and said, that's what I want you to do. But that's not what he told me to do. He told me to love them and win them and restore them and encourage them and help them be the church that they needed to be. Come on. Who's itching your ear this morning? And I hear God say, do you hear me now? John 6, 57 through 66 says this, as the living Father sent me, I live because the Father, so he feeds on me. He who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These are the things that he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So he's teaching in church. He's ministering in church. He's de making declarations in church. And then the disciples in the church have a problem with what Jesus has to say. And let me say this to all the leaders in this church right now. If people that Jesus loved and led and died for left him, know that there are going to be people that you will live for, love, and lay your life down for that will leave you too. We know that all but one left him when he went to the cross. But in this scenario, the Bible says, in the heading, many disciples turned away. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand this? And Jesus knew it in himself that his disciples complained about this. And he said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> Could you imagine Jesus being your pastor? Like, the moment they walk up, he walks up on you. He's like, I know everything. Why are you crying? <laughs> you know, what's wrong? Oh, Jesus. Would you say it's hard? I have to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow you? I have to sell everything that I have and follow you? I have to let the dead bury the dead and follow you? I have to eat your flesh and drink your blood? And follow Jesus, this is too hard for me. I can't do it. 
And look, look at what it says. And it says, it says, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? If it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father, by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples, his disciples, went back and walked with him no more. Oh, you, you never knew that scripture, that people left him too. Happens all the time. But that's what happens when things become too hard for disciples to interpret. That's what happens. And get this this morning. If you're going to serve Jesus, you better grow some thick skin. Because you're dealing with the sin of the world and you're dealing with fallen humanity. And it's going to be a constant. It's not a matter of when you, when you face a spiritual battle... You're always in a spiritual battle. That's why you always have to stay geared up. Don't get ready. Stay ready to fight every day of your life. And so every single day, you and I have different voices vying for our attention, trying to distract you. And here's a hard truth. There are a lot of voices out there telling you, what president you should vote for. There are a lot of voices that are out there. Is what the uh, Democratic Party, the, de the Democrats, the Republicans, the liberals, the whatever, the, the you know, what, whatever party, the news media, the social media. You have all these voices today saying to you, did God really say that? And it's the same slithering snake from the very beginning that's whispering lies into your ear. And some of you, some of you have actually believed it and created your own story. And this is a danger for Christians because you need to know your word to know what God is saying. You need to understand that God never, ever contradicts himself. Ever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will never change his position. Aren't you glad for that? Because I know I'm in his hands. And I know no matter what this world does, they can't take me out of his hands. Right? But these voices are saying things like, things to you like, don't do this and don't do that. And you're too fat. And I'm like, I know, Roxanne, already. Okay? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. These voices are saying things to you like, you're not going to recover from this one. The voices are saying to you, you know, the doctor's report, you're not going to outlive this. There are a lot of voices to you saying there's no value in you. There are a lot of voices that are telling you all these lies. And God's saying, I've never said any of those things to you. In fact, I've loved you so much that I wasn't willing that any of you should pray. So I, I left heaven and entered another realm and stepped into the flesh, fully God and fully man, and laid down my life. For whosoever of you hear my father's voice. I really believe that the first voice that you'll ever hear from God, it comes in the way of the conviction of the Holy Spirit over your sin. Because the Bible says that no one can come to the Father unless he draws them. And so I believe that if you ever experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you're hearing God's voice. That's him convicting you, not condemning you. Satan condemns, God convicts. Because he wants to raise you up to the kind of person that he called you and saved you to be. We have to go back to the call of God and say, answer. And do whatever he tells us to do. Okay, I'm going to bring this to a close. If, if, if I could just have the worship team come up. I just want to make one point. Is this okay? I haven't even made a point yet. Maybe I made a lot of points and I just didn't put them in highlight blue the way I do. All right. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I tried, I tried to think about how I could illustrate this best to you guys. Sometimes illustrations help us understand this. In fact, Jesus talked in parables, which are illustrations. Come on. And so, so I hear God saying to all of us, can you hear me now? Because I do believe that there are a lot of things God allows us to go through because he's trying to get our attention. Our undivided attention. And because he's sovereign, 
And because omniscient and omnipotent, he's everywhere all the time and all powerful. And so I know that if I'm in the Father's hands, no matter what I go through, I'm going to come up to the other side of that okay. It's just having the strength to navigate that while I'm in it. Right? So next week, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more on the how to hear God's voice. But I want to illustrate something to you because so often we need to see to believe. Right? When in fact, the Bible teaches us we need to hear to believe. Right, faith comes by, by what? Faith comes by, and hearing what? The word of God. And so, I think so oftentimes, all of us find ourselves, you know, in a dark place. And I feel like I came home from vacation, um, and I found myself in a really dark place. Because the person that I, that I look up to and cared for as a mentor in my life, I was taking care of um, he he was hurt while I was away and I felt responsible for him and um, he taught me how to study my Bible he was like my personal theologian you know we had him over for Father's Day he fell asleep on my couch watching the Dodger game and um I was in Costa Rica with my family and some friends and I get this phone call and it's during a weird time of the day because he, he, he worked night shift for like 42 years so he'd be up all hours of, of the night and he'd always call me like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning he's like hey what are you doing want to grab some breakfast I'm like no I want to sleep you know I'll call you at 6 and I'm laying in bed here's the 10th time I've heard like God audibly I'm sleeping, I'm in bed. And the phone rings. It's during a weird time. And I wake up startled and I hear God say, Jerry's gone. God is my witness. I hear God audibly say, Jerry's gone. It's okay. And I'm like, no, Lord. Don't let that be. And I go to my phone. And it's Jerry calling me. And I'm like, okay, maybe I didn't hear you. And I call on the other line. And on the other line is a neighbor who says, Jerry fell. And when he fell, he was probably there for a couple of days. We rushed him to the hospital. But we unplugged him. And he passed away. And I knew that God warned me because he told me. And throughout my years, I always know when something happens that's serious because God shows me, whether it be over my own family, whether it be over leadership in our church, or whether it be something like this. And I was just in shock by it. I went downstairs and told Roxanne, we come home to be in the middle of all of this. I got to take care of all his stuff. I got to reach out to his family. I got to cremate him. I got to honor him, bury him at sea. God's voice comforted me in that moment because he was telling me it's going to be okay and even looking back now it's like he's in heaven and heaven is in second best it's it's where we all want to be one day just not, not right now Lord I started thinking about this and I started thinking about the voice of God and how he leads us throughout our life through difficult circumstances and so is Aaron here? Where, where, where's Aaron? Aaron? Aaron's blindfolded. Aaron, can you see me? You can't see me, but you can hear me. Now, Aaron, I want you to pretend that I'm God for just a moment. You can't see me, but you can hear me, right? Aaron, I want you to take three big steps to your right. Even no. though you can't see. No, 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 scratch that, scratch that. Go to your left. There's uh, there's less obstacles. It's shorter. It's faster. That's right. Stop right there. You're about to face something really difficult. Stay where you're at. You're you're comfortable. You're in your comfort zone. You're good. You're gonna go through a massive storm. Stay safe. You're not gonna be able to see on the other side of it but I'm leading you into it. 
because I want to teach you some things through it. Stay where you are. Take another three steps to your right. Stop right there. You're going to lose your job. It's going to be okay. You're going to be in the streets. You're worthless. I'm your provider. Not that job. Are you going to do it on your own? Because I love you. And because I've clothed the fields of this planet. And I fed the birds of the air. How much more will I take care of you? Aaron, move forward through the storm. Until I say stop. Stay where you are. You're okay. It's going to be okay. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Don't do it. You can go back. It's not too late. learning? What are you discerning? I know it's rough, but will you still worship me through the storm? You made it. You're here. You're in the Father's arms. My sheep know my voice. They don't listen to the enemy. Even though the enemy makes sense sometimes, we don't listen to the enemy. And I want you to turn around. And I want you to remove the blindfold. And I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go. I want you to know that Jimmy is Aaron's friend. And sometimes the enemy's voice will sound like your friends. You need to be able to distinguish the voice of the Father between the voice of the enemy. Because he'll camouflage himself. And he'll make you to believe things that aren't true. But if we know the Father, you know what I love? Is that Jesus said, I know them. They're mine. Come on. Think about that with me. Because he knows you, you belong to him. Because you belong to him, you'll spend all eternity with him. And nothing this world does does to you or throws at you will ever be able to rip you away from the Father's love. Listen, he said, while you were still in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I consecrated you. And I set you apart. That's what he says to the prophet Jeremiah. I have a plan and a purpose for your life, he says. Because I know you. Because I know you, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And one day, we're all going to stand before God. And we're all going to be judged. For our obedience and for our disobedience. For what we taught and how we led. We're going to be judged by the Father. Now listen to me. Listen to me. For some, he's going to say, I know you. Enter to the joy of the Lord. And for others, he's going to say, is his name found written in the Lamb's book of life? And the angel is going to open the book. No, Lord. And some may be like, God, I took 60 young adults to elevate. But God, I, I've labored in church my whole life. God, I know your word backwards and forwards and upside down. But, but God, I, I, I've prayed for the sick. I've casted out demons. I've, I've worshipped you with everything. That was, I've tithed faith. God. And he'll say to you, but I don't know you. Because what you did, you didn't do it for me. You did it for yourself. I don't know you. Probably one of the scariest scriptures in all the Bible is people that think they know God that are going to stand in judgment and he'll say to them, depart from me for I'll never knew you into everlasting darkness. So how important is it to know God? And I hear God saying right now to a lot of us, do you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Because if you keep pressing the decline button, if 
you deny me before man, Jesus said, I will deny you before my father. Do you hear me now? Jesus knows those who are his. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows you. John 10, 3. And because the gatekeeper knows who, who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. John 10, 14, and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. The Father knows me, even so I know the Father. I lay down my life for my sheep. My goodness. I know it's getting late. But can I encourage you to lean into the voice of the Father? To, to remove all the distractions of every other voice that's trying to speak lies into your spirit, circumstance, situation, and narrative. And go to the Father and say, Father, speak. For your servant is listening. I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to the Father. I wish we all knew the Father's voice.